0: You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, sauté some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some rice, And it is an amazing dinner.
1: You know, your brain is like, oh, we have this thing. And you're, having something taken away from you is incredibly painful. And in fact, it's far more painful than the good feelings you get when you get it in the first place. Hey,
0: welcome back to Everyone's Talking Money. I am your host, Shawna Game, a classically trained money expert, certified financial planner, and certified trauma of money expert who knows that why you haven't reached your money goals, it's not because you're bad at money. It's because money is emotional and your relationship to money matters. So we talk about that on this show because that, my friend, is the secret sauce. How many times have you said the following? I am really going to focus on saving money this year. I'm really going to do it. Only to find yourself doing quite the opposite. And then, you know, there's those sneaky costs in your spending, like countless subscriptions you might not even be using. As our guest Anne Lester, a retirement expert, media commentator, top-rated speaker, and author of the new book, Your Best Financial Life, Save Smart Now for the Future You Want, says, Most people feel like they don't have enough money to do things they want to do, so saving money, it just isn't our priority. But it's, it's not your fault. You are wired to want nicer things. You are wired to spend money to make yourself feel better. Back to my point that money is highly emotional. Have you ever heard of this thing called the hedonic treadmill? It's this idea that getting nicer things and spending more money doesn't equate to happiness in the long term. So if spending more money doesn't mean more happiness, why not focus on learning how to become a better saver to afford the things you want to do? Well, in this episode, Anne shares how to master saving money in 2024, including why you need to consider a subscription cleanse, ways to build good saving habits like not spending your entire raise, and how to use your money personality to help you become a better saver. Before we get into the episode, if you have not grabbed my 10 mindful money questions to ask yourself right now freebie, you should do that. It's a great workshop. It will tie perfectly into today's episode. You can go to etmpod.link slash 10moneyq or just head to the show notes. All right, let's start talking. We're talking about simple ways to save money this year and I think we need to start here. People may think they're they're frugal, right? By not by not having the cable subscription anymore, but then we've got things like Hulu and Disney Plus and Peacock and HBO Max and all of those streaming services that just seem to add up. Now I know I'm paying more than I was paying with cable, which is just kind of ridiculous. And then, you know, we sign up for these trials, and then the trials end. And then of course we're we're charged, you know, our credit card is charged and we don't check on that. So, you know, all these fees just kind of um add up. And you you call us an oversubscriber, right? Somebody who exhausts, you know, a lot of their paycheck, not with these flashy purchases or extravagant vacations, but through all of these little, you know, nineteen ninety nine here, $20 here, $13 here. And I I think, you know, this is something I want to start with because I know we're all really guilty of this. But, you know, why does it matter if we are uh, an oversubscriber? Like, how is this actually hurting us financially?
1: Well, I guess are you the question I'd ask is, are you happy with how much you're saving, first of all? And if you are maxing out on all your savings goals and you know, have enough socked to for your retirement and have extra money at the end of the month and like subscribe away, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't think many of us are in that boat. So to me, it's really, you know, there are a couple different ways that, that money is hard to save. One is, and it's especially true in this economy, right? With housing prices, rent the way it is, right? You have a really big ticket item that's suddenly more expensive and that just, that just crushes your budget. The second one is all of these little tiny things that in and of themselves are not going to break anybody's budget, you know, when you stop and look at them, add up to kind of a lot of money. So, you know, you talked about streaming services, and that's that's one I'm guilty of, right? And I just fixed it, which is, you know, I subscribe to stuff because I want to see one show, (laughs) and then I don't cancel it, like... And then it, it's not coming out for another nine months and I'm just sitting there paying for it. And it, it's not even a, well, what if I want it? It's like, I, I don't, I know I don't want it. So why am I paying for it? But somehow the, the ease of signing up is easy. And it's actually not that hard to cancel these things either, but like somehow I don't. So that's, that's uh, it. It it. It's not just streaming, right? It's, we signed up during the pandemic for a uh, flash frozen, fabulous Alaskan seafood. And it was great. And I thought it was, you know, like, you know, for fresh caught flash frozen fish that wasn't farmed. It was like not cheap, but it was like a good, it was way cheaper than I could buy in the grocery store. Right. So I felt like I was saving some money. And then I went down to the basement like six months ago and we had like a whole freezer full of fish, you know, <laughs> like, all right, we got to stop this. Right. It just was just too much. Right. So, so some of the subscriptions are things we don't actually use and we don't realize that we still are paying for them. And I think some, some of these subscriptions are like that. Others or, or ink cartridges. I mean, I get a little email from HP saying my cartridges are low and would I just like to subscribe? No, no, I wouldn't. Thank you. <laughs> because I don't use that much ink up. And if I bought one of those plans, I'd be wasting my money. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really hard because the, Individual decision is a small one, and it feels like a good deal when you do it, and then you don't often have the discipline to stop and take stock afterwards.
0: Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that discipline because the emotions around money is something that I talk about a, a lot on the show. It's really a corner cornerstone that I feel isn't talked about a lot, right? When we're talking about money, and I think intuitively we understand, yeah, we've got all these subscriptions. If we cancel those subscriptions, we're going to be able to save money like i think we all we get that right but there's that that actual act of going and canceling the subscription that is like hard for us to do or we don't actually go and initiate that what what's happening there how how do we get through that kind of push and pull moment
1: well i think it's a classic example of the pain of of giving something up like loss like you're you're actually saying i don't want this thing that i have and then this sort of FOMO-y, yeah, but what if I do? Like, what if I do want to watch a show? Well, you can just sign up again. It's not that hard. But, you know, your brain is like, oh, we have this thing. And, and you know, having something taken away from you is incredibly painful. And in fact, it's far more painful than the good feelings you get when you get it in the first place. So once you have something, <clears throat> it's, it's just so hard to stop. And I think that's just a classic, you know, wiring thing in our brains that that is just the way we're all made and and there's a bit of a spectrum of how how much any of us fall into one of these sort of classic there are a handful of very important ones when it comes to saving but that that taking something away that i'm already used to is a really yeah. really really high one for most people
0: so how do we then convince ourselves or work with our own uh you know brains around this to to start to save money like are there any little hacks or just little um you know is it is that we we try to find maybe one subscription like this month we're looking for for just one thing and and we're just gonna cancel that and and you know work through that and the next month we're going to tackle something else like how do we get in a place where this is approachable for us and it feels doable without cutting everything out
1: Yeah. I, I like that idea of just taking baby steps, right? I think everybody's going to be different, right? For some people, the baby steps are going to be the best way to do it. I find for myself, and I just did this on my phone literally like a month or two ago, I pulled up my, I have an Apple phone, so it shows me all my subscriptions and I pulled it up and I was like, what? I haven't (laughs) used that in a year. (laughs) I signed up for, uh, a great app that I will turn on again happily if I need it, which is uh, an app that gives you like guided walks in cities. And I did this pilgrimage walk in 2021 and I was in all these cities and I was like, I'd love to like have a little pocket tour guide for that thing. So I signed up for like three or four different things that I used heavily. And then I came back from my trip and I forgot about them and I'm still paying for them. Right. And I was like, what the (laughs) heck are these doing in here? Right. So I know they're there. They were great apps. I will happily use them again. But some of it's just asking yourself and it's that classic advice about your closet like have have I worn this thing in the last year? If it's not special occasion, why why do I think I'll wear it again? Like help me to understand. <laughs> so, uh, some of it is just that and I think when you figure out a way to frame it in a way that resonates for you. For me it's a uh, like have I done this recently? What can I can I paint a picture? Can I show myself a movie? Of myself doing this thing that I bought this for, and if the answer is no, it's actually not too hard for me to say like goodbye. Like that is actually okay for me. I don't, I don't trouble. I, I have trouble with a lot of other things. That's not one of them for me. But I think it's finding your your hook into having a, a conversation with yourself about why did I do this in the first place and is that still true.
0: Mm, I like that question. And then
1: for me, you know, I'm I'm somebody that can find some days of the year that are gonna be meaningful days for me that help me do things so you know one thing i i always tell people when they're you know trying to manage their own money is you don't want to be looking at your accounts all the time because you'll just go do stupid things um you know set up a rhythm and find a day that makes sense for you to go look at these things periodically maybe once a year and maybe for subscriptions right it's enough to do it once a year just like go in and clean up once a year it'll take you 15 minutes
0: yeah, you've got some really great tips around subscription cleanses and I just want to talk about a couple of them because I think they're they're pretty unique. One you say if you have more than one credit card, use the one with the closest expiration date for renewing subscriptions. Tell us more about
1: this one because this is I've not I've not heard this tip before. Oh, I love I do I I've been doing that for years. So and, and this is okay. If you don't have more than one credit card, this is a really bad reason to get a second credit card. Like only do this if you happen to already have more than one. Okay. Or, or an ATM card, right? A debit card that has a close expiration date. But it, so many of these subscriptions, right? Take away all of the, the breaks, all of the, like the sand in the gears, the barriers, the things that make your, your brain slow down when you're making a decision. And so some of these hacks really, Involve that decision-making process. You want to make savings as easy as possible, right? Because you want the money to flow automatically. You don't want your brain to have to make a decision about should I save money today? Because actually, once you ask the question, you're done. (laughs) Your brain's like, no, we're not. (laughs) Well, of course not. It's like, well, gosh, let me think about this. I could buy a new pair of shoes, or I could save the money. Like, I I often lose that conversation, Um, or rather, my my future saver self loses that one. My personal, like, oh, goody, those shoes are cute and they fit, wins. Um, so this, the opposite is true when you're trying to figure out how to stop spending. Like what's the, what's the spending that's happening without any friction in your life? Like what just kind of goes, what slips away? What do you not even feel yourself buying, right? Subscriptions to me are at the top of the list. And so how do you create some natural breaks? So you have to stop and ask yourself, do I want to be spending that money this month? Mm, And unfortunately, you know, our, our subscriptions don't ask us that question every month. I, th- I think a lot of them are getting better, like I subscribe to some cooking magazines and things. A lot of them are getting better about saying, hey, your script- subscription is coming up. You have to say yes to renew. And I love that. Um, I hate the ones that just keep going, right? Because you never get that chance unless you make it for yourself. So that credit card trick is a way to put a break on the automatic, of course, I'll keep doing it. Because your credit card expires, guess what? They're not going to keep giving you free stuff
0: yeah I love when i when I log in to one of the subscriptions and it says you know on x date there's gonna be a price increase of you know whatever it might be and i I automatically go, okay, well, you know two or three extra dollars like that's not a big deal that's totally doable and then I see it on the bank statement or the credit card statement I'm like what it went from eighty three dollars and now it's a hundred and fifteen or you know whatever whatever the price increase, and so I think it's a really interesting tactic that they use on a lot of these subscriptions because when you see the very small percentage of of increase, it doesn't seem that bad. So you're like, of course I'm going to keep going, and and then most of us, right? We don't we don't look through our bank statements or our credit card statements. It just automatically goes there, so we're not seeing yeah. that like the, the big Guilty. amount, yeah.
1: I look at it occasionally to make sure there's nothing weird on there, but like I'm not like going through it every month and saying, "Did I really need to spend that?" That's a great discipline to have. It makes I I I I I don't have that, so I figured out some other hacks. And here's another one that works in a couple of different ways. One, if you're thinking about spending some money on something, I talk about adding a zero because that's how much money that will grow over 30 or 40 years. So like the thing that seems reasonable today is costing you a lot in the future. But that math also works for that little tiny incremental increase. It's only three bucks a month increase in my in my thing. I can do that. Well, actually, it's 30 bucks a year. It's a little more than 30, right? It's 36. But the math is easy, right? Just add a zero. And then you go, whoa, wait, that's this year is gonna cost me that much money. Do I really want to do that? Oh,
0: I like that one. I I like, I think it's it's fun when we know that intuitively our brains are going to go to not wanting to save money. So I think it's fun to have these different tricks and different things that you can think through to really bring, I always call it a little bit of a pause moment, like a pause into Mm -hmm. your just kind of automatic spending and think like, is this a choice I actually want to make? Am I actually okay with this? And the answer can be no, I can actually live without Disney Plus for. Two, three, six months a year. Like but I can, actually can, can your
1: children. I don't know. <laughs> yes,
0: it's <laughs> true. I don't have kids, so I probably that probably is not a not a good example. But yes, you know to to be able to think through. And I think one of your other strategies that I love is is rotating subscriptions of. Yeah of saying to yourself, okay, well, this month, I'm going to have, you know, these two or these three or whatever, you know, whatever you feel is is best for you. But I'm maybe going to, you know, cancel these other ones. And then I'm going to start those up. Or if you're going on a vacation for a couple of weeks, or, you know, something like that, pausing your subscriptions. And actually, if you're not using them, don't be paying for them. I think I think that's a really interesting idea, too. And like giving yourself the permission to do that. I I think
1: overall there are a lot of stories we tell ourselves about money that use the word should and one of them is this weird like I'm going to be rude or you know I shouldn't cancel it because right and or I should spend the money because or I should be saving more like the word should is like a really sticky word that I think has a whole lot of Baggage that can get attached to it, and you know, I think I can, or I might, or I will, right? Are all better words than I should? I mean, that should implies that you sh- you you could have done something and you chose not to, and it's bad. And I just think some of this reframing, especially if you're finding it, you're beating yourself up a lot for some of these choices, is just like I did it. What do I want to do now? Like, what action can I take now that might change things if I don't like the way I feel?
0: That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. OK, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today, and I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to do's. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized, because that's not one of my strengths, without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm. And start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show. Notion.com/etm. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnin provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. it will really help the show. Talking money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. All right, Anne, it's time to play Your Relationship with Money is Game. So first question if you had to describe your relationship to money as a character from a book, who would
1: it be? The grasshopper in the Ant in the Grasshopper fable. <laughs> I like it <laughs> absolutely. yep, it's good now.
0: all right, number two, what's one money mistake you wish you could get a do over for?
1: <laughs> oh, it's a long list. I don't know. um, I wish I could get a do over for not putting the cash out that I got from my first job. My I was working for the federal government and I, got a, I was in the Federal Thrift Savings Program and they gave me an $800 check. Uh, I think it was 800, maybe it was 1,000 after I'd worked there for like four years because I was earning nothing and contributing nothing. But I was like, oh goody, this will pay some of my immediate bills. And I immediately turned around and spent that money. And then I had the mother of all tax bills the next year and I didn't have the money to pay that tax. Like I wish I had stuck that in, in our IRA in 1990 that would have been good
0: number 3 what is a guilty money splurge you have that you are never giving up
1: oh oh boy like again so many choices um i probably will always buy nicer clothes than i need to like i really like nice clothes and i have definitely cut back on the number of nice things that i buy and i would rather buy fewer things but still nice things. And I could definitely save a lot of money on clothes, even buying the same kinds of items, but just spending less on them. Number
0: four, tell me the inner monologue of your money thoughts. Is there a money thought that maybe always plays on loop for you?
1: You know, I, no, not anymore. Um, I think (laughs) I've spent like 25 years working on that. Um, And no, it doesn't actually. It's, what it was, was, How can you keep being so stupid? I can't believe you're still making the same mistake. Aren't you ever going to learn not to make the same mistake? How can you be doing this again? I don't like this. Why are we still doing this, right, was the loop that kept going through my head when I was juggling credit card payments, right? Um, I have gotten a lot better at learning how to say no to myself. And that just takes practice, right? I I think some of us are wired a little bit better to do it, but I, I I needed to practice that for a long time.
0: Last question. If you could go back and tell your younger self something about money, what would it be?
1: That compound returns are magic. And you get free money basically when you let them go. And I wish I had understood how powerful compounding was in my 20s and 30s because I didn't realize what I was giving up by spending some of the money I could have invested.
0: I'm going to be real with you. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. we've talked about subscriptions i want to i want to talk a little bit broadly more broadly about saving money and i know that your new book uh is all about these kind of smart solutions to start saving now so the future us is really happy with ourselves yeah. and your your mission really is to help millennials and gen zers do this right set their money up uh be able to afford retirement be able to achieve their goals and and all of these things that really inspired your book. And one of the things you talk about are our savings and spending personalities yeah. and how we can kind of hack our brains. Like we're talking all about, you know, this sort of brain that's working automatically, but how we can hack our brains to really start accumulating wealth and it obviously starts first with the saving piece that we're talking about. Tell us a little bit more about these these personalities and how we can use them to
1: our advantage. And I think, to me, right, one of the big light bulb moments for me, and I I write about this in the book, is I, I'm a spender, I'm a splurger. I can walk into a store with no price tags and unerringly find the most expensive thing in the store, and like fall in (laughs) love with it and have to have it. Like, is it's it's a talent? It's a gift. It's a talent.
0: Yeah. It's, It's
1: not. It's not a like a good one when it comes to managing your money, and. For me the big breakthrough moment was understanding that a lot of my behavior I and I want to be careful here because it's not like it's not a choice like it's not like somebody made me do it or like my evil twin took over my brain and like made me buy it but that's actually kind of a little bit true right like our brains are literally not wired to resist immediate temptation and make rational long-term financial decisions Our brains are wired to help us run away from the saber-toothed tiger and grab what we can eat while we're doing it, right? So understanding that about myself was the first time I I kind of went, wait a minute, this whole should, finger-waggy, you know, I know my parents would be ashamed if they knew I had credit card debt, like this, all these stories we tell ourselves, right? I was like, oh, I'm just wired like this. Okay, so this isn't a question of my continuing to try to use willpower to create a different outcome because that is, I think, one of the definitions of insanity, right? You keep trying to do the same thing over again and it's, it doesn't work. Okay, so that that's not working for me. And it's not because I'm a bad person or weak or you know lazy or stupid. It's just because this is what I do and let's just not create the circumstances that let me do that easily. And just accept that I'm wired this way, and stop trying to force myself not to be like this. So you know, I've come up with dozens of ways that I try to stay out of temptation's way, or make sure I don't see temptation. Right. So a lot of those are in the book. Some some of these are, you know, there's the there's the subscriber we talked about. There's the splurger, right, who maybe does a great job, and I maybe am <laughs> both. Uh, save up money, save up money. And then it goes kabloom, right? And you end up spending way more money on on a house than you should. Or that outfit that you'd given yourself a budget for, you needed a new something. It was a genuine need. Let's say your old winter coat gave up the ghost and it has a three-corner tear that you can't possibly get fixed. All right, fine. I need a new one. I've got a budget of 300 bucks. I'm going to go buy a new coat. And guess what? There's this really cute $450 one. And oh my gosh, it's so perfect. And you know, okay, that's Like, how do you, how do you set guardrails up around yourself so that you stop sliding into those things thoughtlessly, right? Or setting yourself a budget for Christmas spending and then blowing through that. So some of the tricks there are how do you, how do you put those brakes on, right? How do you say, do I really need this? How do you just say, great, I'm going to set it aside. I'll ask the store to hold it for me and I'll come back in, I'll come back tomorrow. Put it in my shopping cart overnight. I won't buy it until I come back and click on it. Just put the brakes on a little bit. Um, another one, and it's kind of the flip side, or maybe it's a it's a different kind of personality, is what I call the ostrich, right? Like I don't make me look. I don't want to know how bad it is, right? And <laughs> and just kind of ignoring all of this stuff. And you know, it's not going to get any better. What you're what you're avoiding is the 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 f- you, you you're fearful that you will feel. Bad about yourself because you will be forced to confront decisions that you fear are not good. Mm, and right. A, that may not be true at all. Like, like really, things may be less bad than you think. And B, that fear is is blocking you from taking what might be some small steps to start feeling better about yourself. And, you know, once you take that first small step, suddenly the whole thing becomes less scary, right? And that's that's a type, right? just it's just i just I just don't want to know about this,
0: yeah, so I think you know knowing what what type you are, I love your approach of we're not coming at it as a negative, it's just this is who I am, this is how I'm wired, and so. Let me create a money system around that, and and those guardrails and those boundaries, and whatever it might be for your for yourself individually, so you can. You know, I always tell people on this show after a thousand plus episodes, the only reason we're talking about this and you're, you, I'm motivating you to do any of this is there's just stuff in your life that you want to do. There's things you want to use your money for, and so. This is the way we have to work this stuff to get you to that place. And if there's no place you want to go, then I guess none of this really really matters, right?
1: Well, I think you raise a really great point which is fundamentally, you know, it's not limitless our money. No matter how, maybe you can't have too much. I mean, certainly some <laughs> people do, but we read about them occasionally in the papers, but like most most people, even if they're making 6 figures, right, don't feel like they have enough money to do everything they want to do. That's kind of the human condition. And there's something called the hedonic treadmill, very fancy word, words, um, for something that is very much also wired into us, which is to want nicer things, right? We just want nicer things. The treadmill part becomes in, once you hit a certain level of comfort, and I would argue for many young people, it, that's not what they are in their twenties. Like they all they had, have, they haven't hit that comfort level yet. But let's say in your thirties, right? Getting nicer and nicer things and spending more and more money is not going to make you feel any happier longer term. It gives you a little tiny burst of pleasure in the moment, and then it wears off. And you know, I talk a little bit about this in the book and <laughs> in one of my keynotes. I, I tell the story of basically my getting, like, finally getting a gently used car instead of the deeply used car i had and like how how thrilled i was um to have electric windows oh yeah and i literally spent and now i'm i'm you know dating myself a little bit but you can still buy i gosh when i had to have my car worked on they gave me a a a rental that had roll up windows and i was like oh this has been a long time but I literally drove around for the first three days, like playing with my windows. like I can make them go up. I can make them go down. I can make oh, it was so fun. Right. And, you know, like a week later, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's nice that <laughs> it's, it's a window, nice that yeah. the car works. But like, <laughs> you know, I wasn't like permanently happier. It was it just like faded into the background of my life. And I think one of the most important things you can do is start building the habit of not spending all of every raise you get right? And committing to only saving to spending half of it and committing to save half of it, because you still do get to enjoy some nice things. You can maybe go on a nicer or longer vacation. You can buy a car with electric windows, but but you're not permanently ratcheting up your lifestyle as quickly because the more you do that, A, the less you'll be saving, but the more you have to save to replace this nicer lifestyle, right? you'll get used to it. And then taking any of it away really hurts. I mean, you know, we're talking about how painful it is to give up Hulu or Apple Plus or whatever for like six months. It is like, oh my God, that's so painful. Like imagine how painful it will be to downsize or to move when you're in your 60s because you can't afford to live in the house that you love. Mm, like that's yeah. really painful.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, along those lines, I-, I wanted to talk to you about this because it used to be that we got a job at a company and we got pretty nice benefits package and we got a 401k and we got a match and we were, you know, we were pretty well set up for ourselves for the future and, and saving money. And now things are, are different. And there are a lot of companies out there that don't offer benefits don't offer a 401k and it's it's really on us and we don't want to get to that point where we're in our 60s 70s and you know we have to make those those tough life choices so how do we how do we plan for retirement when we work for a company where maybe these things aren't offered or maybe no. we're self-employed or you know whatever the situation might be how do we how do we set that up for ourselves
1: it's so much easier if this is offered up to you on a plate, right? So I don't, I don't want to say it's easy to do this stuff by yourself. When the employer does it, there are some benefits, obviously, like you don't have to do anything. And often now, when you change jobs to a new employer, they'll automatically sign you up. And if you're lucky, they'll automatically escalate, right? Or increase what you're saving. So like, you don't even have to think about it. Um, As you say, many Americans, some estimates are as many as four in 10, right? So it's almost half of us don't, myself included now, don't work for an employer who offers a 401k. And so you need to, need to, I try to avoid that language. It would be ideal if (laughs) you were able to set up an IRA, right? Individual retirement account that lets you put in some money tax-free, right? There are two kinds. One is just a regular IRA where you don't pay income tax on the money you put in. And then it grows tax-free and then you pay income tax on it on the way out. If you're not in a very high tax bracket, and if you're in your 20s and maybe 30s, this is probably true for you. It makes sense to look into a Roth IRA where you pay income tax first, then you put your money in, and then you don't pay any more taxes ever. That's probably more efficient, like for you, but either way, right, setting that IRA up is important. And the problem is you've got to do the hard work, right? You've got to go find one. I try not to recommend specific brands or anything, but like I'm going to say, any kind of retail, national, online, or physical company that does this stuff is going to probably be just fine. You're going to want to set up the account. And if you're not gigging, if you've got a steady paycheck, you want to set it up so that the money that you're going to contribute to that, maximum $7,000 a year, unless you're over 50, I think, um, comes out of your paycheck automatically. So it If you can afford it, take $7,000, divide by 12 and say, that's how much money I want to put into this account every month, every paycheck. If you get two a month, do the math, just have it go whoop right in there. And then you also have to set up your IRA so that the money is automatically invested because if it's not invested, it's not going to grow. And that's where the magic of saving long term comes in, is in the compound returns that you get from that money growing for several decades. Right. Where if you get 7% on a 7% return on your investments, your money will double every 10 years. So imagine if you're putting $7,000 in every year, how quickly that will start doubling and doubling and doubling. Right. So that's how saving for retirement works. What you buy with it, I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of target date funds. That's what I did for a long time. I used to manage them. But the reason I like target date funds is not necessarily because that's what I used to do, although maybe I'm biased, but specifically (laughs) because once you pick that one investment from whoever you pick it from, you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to make any more decisions. You don't have to rebalance it. It's just going to kind of chug along, and it's kind of a one-size-fits-most investment. It may not ever be the absolute best or the absolute perfect thing, but guess what? Very few things are and the chances that you trying to do this by yourself will either make some bad decisions because you get scared or not make any decisions at all because it's too complicated or pretty high. So I'm a big advocate of doing that. It's it's a little bit of work up front. Once you set it up, it should work. Kind of on autopilot behind the scenes, and that's what you want.
0: When I was prepping for our conversation, I was I was reading about your your past a little bit, and you you talked about uh, you used to help people with targeted funds. You managed billions of dollars of other people's money, but you said you were living you know paycheck to paycheck yourself for a period of time, and that's something I can surely relate to as a financial planner. I had a period of time where where the, where the same thing was happening. How did you manage your emotions around money during this time when you're working with all of this money, but, you know, your, your practical at-home life was was very different?
1: I think it may have been a little different for me because I wasn't managing any individual's money, right? I wasn't looking at somebody else who's obviously made better life choices than I had because they had money to invest. <laughs> um I was managing money in mutual funds in something called collective investment trusts, which are then sold to four hundred and one k plans, right, or to a brokerage firm or a financial advisor like you who's buying it and using it in their clients' accounts. So they were just in different universes for me; like they they were in different worlds. And that was my work world where I was managing this money, and I understood how all the math worked. And I think our team was good at it, and I think we made our clients a lot of money. And that. Was that. And then I was over here. And again, it wasn't until I started doing research to build the Targetate funds that we ended up launching at JP Morgan that I was like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm, uh, that's me. <laughs> I'm that person, right? <laughs> I need and, that. And, yeah. Well, I need the, I need the investment thing. And actually, I had, I struggled to invest a little bit in my personal account too. Like again, if it's somebody else's money, it's easy because it's not mine. I don't have a, the same. Emotions do get in the way of professional money managers, too, but there's a lot of support and systems and a team to help you manage that, and and your investment process should ideally explicitly take that into account so you can manage around it. I used to get stuck in my own, like, I don't know if I want to sell that stock. now. it might keep going up. And I'd just be like, oh, stop it. Just do it, right? So. It's different when it's your own money. You 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 bring, at least for me, so many more, so much more emotional baggage and, dare I say, trauma into the conversation you're having in your head than you would at work because it's just different.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I'm, I'm glad you brought up the word trauma. I, I talk a lot about money trauma, and it's it's interesting. I think almost all of us have a form of money trauma, and people look at me a little strange when I say that, but there's just so many emotions there's just so much around money and the fact that we don't talk about it openly like we're talking about it here um and especially i think living in the the social media world where we want to just highlight the good stuff and the people yeah. who have you know the reality stars who have you know tons of money and something that is unrealistic for a lot of us that then creates a, a sense of trauma in ourselves like oh god i'm never going to have that is that mean i'm i'm doing things wrong and I hear from a lot of listeners, um, you know, they'll write me and say things like, is it too late for me? I haven't learned about money yet, you know, and and all of these beliefs that are just out there floating around that we attach ourselves to. And it really does quite a number on all of us.
1: I I agree. And I think many, you know, Trauma is called trauma for a reason, right? There's it's some kind of bad experience that gets frozen into our bodies and we can't process it and we can't move beyond it and we just loop through it over and over again. And it's that stories you tell, it's the finger wagging you imagine happening. And I think with money there is just so much shame around it. And I think people who grew up poor or people whose parents didn't have enough money, right? The parents are ashamed of not being able to do better for their kids, so It's a source of conflict. It's a it's a source of we don't want to talk about that. It's a it's a and and you know then the kids maybe get sucked into trying to cover up because nobody can know how bad it is at home. I mean it just it's just like so much yuck, right? Or and I see this. I live in a very affluent community, right? People are ashamed of having a lot of money and don't want to talk about it and don't want to talk about how like like there's nothing good happening on any side of this thing, right? And and it's I think it's because we attach so much self worth right to money and and. And th- they have nothing to do with one another. And that, again, was kind of my light bulb moment was, I'm not a bad person because I suck at savings. I just suck at savings. Like, all right, well, rather than like try to fight that, I'm going to embrace it and like figure out another way of solving this problem. And, you know, I think when we kind of delve into our own money stories or the experiences that we found particularly traumatic. I do think it makes a lot of sense to to actually, you know, as an adult, right, with maybe some more empathy and compassion for that younger self or just some more information, right? Um just try to say, "Hey, was that story really true? Did it really happen like that? Like what was going on with that?" you know, and 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 maybe try to find some compassion for for what happened. But it's the the money silence the shame the the sucking other people into your like little secret world of like pretending everything's fine when it's not like that's just all so toxic and and hopefully a book like this helps or a conversation like this a podcast like this helps people a you know like guess what everybody else is dealing with this too like you're really not alone
0: <laughs> no um, news flat.
1: yeah news flat. no news no 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 nothing new here um, all right and and b like it's Money is just a thing that lets us do stuff. Like it doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person and it just doesn't. And I mean maybe it's easy for me to say that now that I'm like out of my own personal money hole, but like I used to feel a lot of shame about about not feeling like I I I could do the things I wanted and and some of this, right? Like I said earlier, there's just not enough money. So You have to come to terms with there won't ever be enough money, probably, unless you're again one of these, you know, internet gajillionaires. So just make peace with that. Like given that I don't have enough for everything I want to do, what do I want to do the most? (laughs) And what do I actually really not care that much about? Because you probably can order them, you know, if you stop and think about it.
0: Well, you've you've written this whole book about you know, our futures and saving money and so many great tips. If you had to write the headline for how you think we should think about saving money in 2024, what would it be?
1: Saving is for everyone. And understanding your financial wiring and using hacks to build habits is the best way to achieve the financial future that you want.
0: I was so motivated with Anne that we went and we did our own little subscription cleanse. Of course, there are some subscriptions we were paying for that we weren't using that I forgot that we had happens to me so it can totally happen to you. But let me just do a little experiment with you. Let's say you find two monthly subscriptions, which are 15 bucks each, and you aren't using them. If you invested that same $30 a month for 20 years, earning 8% annual return at the end of 20 years, get this, you would have roughly $204,000. That is just to put an exclamation point on Anne's words that saving here and there can really make a difference if you do something with that money, right? It could totally, like that $30 could totally change your retirement journey. If you want to connect with Anne, you can pre-order her book, Your Best Financial Life. Right now, everywhere books are sold. I will have that link in the show notes as well as the link to all of our episode sponsors that help make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days, my friend, for a brand new episode.